But that's okay. Dads like to be needed. It's all good. What comes around goes around. Wait till we're in the retirement home calling you collect all the time. Father's Day just doesn't seem to have a very high priority compared to other holidays. Really. Mother's Day is a huge deal, and it should be. Forget Mother's Day, and you'll be in the doghouse till Father's Day. Mothers are highly esteemed on Mother's Day, and as a young boy growing up in church, I remember every Mother's Day was a salute to mothers, as we need it to be. I mean, let's not try to exhaust their job description. It's incredible. But I recall, maybe not always, but I seem to recall that on Father's Day, the preacher, then he would tell the dads what they should be doing right instead of what they, what, they, what they were doing right. It was more like a boot camp than a day to honor dads. So today, dads, this one's for you. Father's Day holds a very special place, or fathers hold a very special place in society. A much higher place than they are given credit for, really. Modern society seems to see fathers as expendable parts of the family unit. As nothing more than maybe sperm donors and deadbeats. In courtrooms, divorced dads hardly have a fighting chance of obtaining custody, it seems, of their kids or even being allowed to be a significant part of their kids' lives, much less have the opportunity to be the spiritual leader of their household. Sadly, many men today also neglect to see the importance of their role as a father, which is why the term deadbeat dad was originally coined. And as a result... Their kids are growing up in unbalanced and dysfunctional households. In fact, 40% of the children in America are going to bed every night without their biological father in the home. Fathers need to be reinstated to the level of importance that God ordained them and intended them for them to be. In fact, I've seen very strong evidence which points to the fact that the reason the morality and spiritual integrity is at such an all-time low is because of the declining value placed on the role of the father in today's society. In fact, now, on your driver's license and passport, you can be non-gender. Now, that's really something. We've got enough problems with people knowing who they are to indicate now on their official documents they don't know who they are. My Bible still says, and he made man and woman. Can I hear an amen? And he, God, came up with the idea that a man should leave his father and mother and cling to his wife. Now, there's no sense speaking against some of the norms that are going on because those people are not here. So we need to reinforce those things that we already believe. When dad is undervalued, so is a right relationship with Abba, our father in heaven. My goal today is I want to remind our dads, not so much of their duties and responsibilities, as I want to encourage and remind us all of your importance. 
dads, fathers, future dads, you are important. And you need to be given the respect and the dignity of the role of a father. So glad your comments earlier, Jocelyn, was just dead on. Fathers play an extremely important and vital role in our families and in our nation today. In fact, in Colossians chapter 3, the Bible introduces a hierarchical model of authority in the family. It says, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. So in terms of authority, the father is deemed the head of his household. And uh, it talks about it in Timothy as well, where the father is important that he cares for and manages his household well. So the father is charged with the responsibility of looking after the best interests of the family in everything. When a man becomes a father, he isn't given some sort of rule book on how to conduct himself. It's not some immediate download that comes as to now you're a father and this is what you should do. No one tells a man how to manage his household necessarily. It's something he picks up from few very important sources. First, from the way his own father treated him. How he grew up as a child and interacted with his own father. Now, sometimes those were not great relationships. Sometimes they weren't very healthy relationships. Sometimes they were over-the-top kind of relationships. If you had a relationship that wasn't really that instructive for you on how you should act as a father and treat your own children, I'm really very, very sorry. But in those cases as well, we can learn from the relationship with God and through the Word of God. And other fathers that we can see how they conduct and function within their family. People so often have the perception that dads don't love their kids as much as mothers because they aren't as emotional or they aren't as endearing. But fathers have the capacity to love just as much as any other spiritual being. It's just expressed in different ways. Instead of a tender hug, it might be a strong bear hug might be a slap on the shoulder, on the back, or might be a high five, whatever. But it always feels good to be loved by a dad. Dads are just designed by God to express their love in a different way. They express their love when they guard their family. They express their love when they provide good things for their wife and for their kids. There's so many ways in doing that they express love, which may not always encounter or embrace the emotional side of their life. As a child, for me, chores seemed like a daunting task. But the chores that I was responsible for and sometimes felt too responsible for, it taught me discipline and developed character in my life. So good men learn how to be good dads from father-son relationships and interaction. We don't always grasp what we're learning until later on in life we realize that things that our dad was trying to instill in us through a flawed vessel at times, was really trying to build things in us for our future and to develop us as men who would understand the importance of their role in the home. Since almost 40% of kids grow up without dads at home, we know there has to be another source of example for the developing dad, and that's the example we have in Jesus Christ. The best dads take their example from Jesus and pass the legacy of the Lord onto their family. The legacy of the love of Jesus Christ is the greatest gift a father can give. 
And to be like Jesus in the way that we manage our household is the greatest expression of love that a dad can give to his family. When Peter asked the Lord how much they were going to pay or how they were going to pay their taxes, Jesus told him to take a coin from the fish's mouth. Now, my dad never told me to do that when I went fishing down to the river. That wasn't the way we kind of functioned, but Jesus was teaching us that our Father God is a God of provision. He will provide. And he has some very unique and different ways to do that. When he fed the multitude with a few loaves of bread and a few fish, he provided the example of a father who provides all the needs of his family, and he commands dads today to do the same. Now, dads, you know that there's this amazing burden, if you want to call it, in a way that is upon your shoulders and upon your emotions to provide for your family. It's just kind of a a thing that's built into your DNA. We have the awesome responsibility of providing and our egos are wrapped up in our employment. We're ashamed when we're unemployed and the, the brunt of the responsibility to provide for welfare of our family rests on the shoulders of the husband. Now, that's not to, to limit or to diminish the role of the wife who's maybe as well working, whatever. But I can only re- respond to my, my experience. My experience was my, my dad worked and my mom was at home when I came home from school. Fresh cookies and milk. Sometimes bread, buns, whatever. And I'm not, please, if you've got a two-income family and sometimes that's, that's needed to get by, I'm not, please, I'm not down on that at all. I, I'm just speaking from my own experience. And there's times when both have to work and, and that's important, but I just want you to know that from a father or a dad's perspective, it's so important for us to understand who we are. Now, I know at time, sometimes there's, there's the, where the, the spouse, the wife is, is working and the dad's at home for a while looking after the kids. Cool! What a bonding time can happen. So I'm not trying to negate any of those kinds of scenarios. But as a father, as a man, there's just something about providing and looking after his family. Dads are always striving to maintain a balance of providing for their family and spending quality time with the family. That's a huge dilemma for men at times. Scripture teaches us that there has to be a balance in our lives because men are hardwired with the desire to provide for their family and make a good home for their children. There's this constant struggle to maintain this balance between giving of their time and giving of our things. A man constantly has to look to God for direction and example on how to manage his household. I can look back with numerous, I'm not sure if the word regrets is the right word, but maybe with sadness and things where I, I, my priorities were people and ministry where they could have been a little more for family. And you know what I'm really looking forward to? In a couple of weeks, we're going to go and see our grandkids again. And there's something about family. Amen? There's something about family. And later on this year, we're, we're planning kind of a family get-together, and there's something about family. There's also something about the church family. But dad's 
Sometimes we have this struggle between providing the material things that are needed and providing the care and the companionship and the mentoring and the walking alongside of our family. God's example is that he always provides for his kids. But he never replaces the value of spending quality time with his children by giving them things to keep them busy. Don't think giving your kids things to keep them busy takes the place of being with them. So while the provision is there in abundance, our Father God always places the greater emphasis on the time we spend together with him. Yes, he wants to provide for us, but not to the, at the expense of us spending time with our Heavenly Father. That's why so often we encourage you, spend time in prayer and journal and, and just spend time with your Heavenly Father and read the Word and listen to what he wants to tell you and write it down. In the same way that a father's duty to provide for his family shouldn't overshadow the important spending quality time with them either. But a father also expresses his love through discipline. Now, that's a tricky subject nowadays. Back when I was a kid, nobody interfered with the discipline in the home. Now, it's a whole different ballgame, isn't it? When Jesus rebuked Peter, saying, Satan, get thee behind me, He portrayed the power of love through the act of discipline, not wanting Peter to be lost in the old way of thinking. Now, discipline is difficult, and it's oftentimes received by our children as a bad thing. But it's a primary fruit of fatherly love. Dad has to discipline if he loves his children. Just to let them do helter-skelter whatever they want is not love. My dad used to tell me when he was about to apply the, you know, the paddle of understanding to the seat of learning, he used to say, this is going to hurt me more than you. And I used to think, liar, liar, pants on fire. Looking back, discipline, whatever method you're allowed to get away with now, is not a bad thing. Scripture says that our Heavenly Father disciplines those that He loves. And so from His example, we as well see how we should function. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 11 says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. Do not resent His rebuke, because the Lord disciplines those He loves as a father, the son He delights in. My dad must have really liked me. I think I got a spanking at least every three days. I don't know, maybe more, maybe over time it dulled my memory. I don't know. I'm not saying I didn't deserve it. I got a lot because of my, what my brother did, but if you believe that, I'm going to sell you some land in Florida. But it was not a bad thing, really. I mean, all my limbs still work. I can still sit down. I don't think I've been scarred in a way that has messed me up. 
A dad has to discipline because he wants the best for his children. And the discipline of a father sets the whole course of his family's lives on fire. If there's discipline in the home, I mean, children raised in the discipline of a strong and loving father have greater disciplines as adults. And disciplined adults make greater contributions to society. Our society is so messed because nobody gets, there's no consequences for people's actions, generally speaking. Like the other day, Wednesday night, I came to the office. I was going to do a couple things, and it was about 7.15, and I got all the way here and forgot my keys. So all the way home, which doesn't take long, I got back here about 7.30. As I'm pulling into the church parking lot at 7.30, there's a van parked by the church garage, and there's a guy just jumped into it, and he's taken off, and I don't recognize the van, and I see the man door in the garage is open. So I got in behind, and I'm focusing on his license plate to write down his license plate, and I write down the license plate number on a piece of paper, and then I proceeded to go and see if I could find him, but when I got up to Rocky Road, he was gone. So I phoned the landscape people because they store stuff in there, and they came down, and sure enough, he stole a bunch of stuff, and so um, I was uh, thinking about it. You know, by the time they catch this guy, it wasn't a stolen vehicle, so the license number, they can trace it. And I got a bit of a description of the guy that I gave to the police. And um, so I'm thinking, when they do catch him, because I remember what happened when the person was caught who broke into the church four times in two weeks, $17,000 of stuff gone and damaged. And I know what happened to them. There's, and, I, and I don't fault our local police. Please understand me. I value what they do. But the system sometimes is so flawed and so convoluted and people are always looking for some way to, you know, trip up the law enforcement. And I've got nephews who are RCMP. And, and so I understand they can do all the investigative work and yet one little thing and they can get off whatever. It's just like, it must be frustrating for law enforcement people. We need to pray for them. When I gave my report to the police officer who was there, and then I discovered that this police officer used to intern with my nephew in northern BC in his church, and then he interned in a church in Ontario with uh, Darren Latham and uh, Bill Markham, and, and it's a small world, and now he's a Calgary police officer. And I've um, got to pray for these people. It's difficult, but if we would teach the disciplines in our home, in our families, and be able to teach those disciplines to our children, they'd be more disciplined as adults, and our society would be so much better. There was a young man, a story that I read, was making poor grades in school, particularly in math. Anybody here have trouble with math? I hated math in school. That's why I'm not an accountant or a treasurer. Anyway, this guy had trouble with math. So his parents tried various things. None of them seemed to produce the desired improvement. Finally, they decided to enroll him in a private school. At the end of the first grading period, the young man came home and proudly presented his report card to his parents. So excited. 
They were shocked to find that all the grades had improved significantly. Most noticeably, he had received his first ever A in math. His parents were overjoyed. They began to question him to determine what it was that had finally produced the improvement that they had sought. Was it the non-traditional teaching methods in the private school? No. Was it the smaller class size and more individual attention? No. Well, was it then that, what was it then that caused such a big turnaround, they asked? Well, the son replied, when I walked into the school that first day, and the first thing I saw was this man nailed to a plus sign, and I knew I better take math seriously here. Discipline is the act of a father urging his children to live the right way for the development and growth of his family. It's so, so important. Now, I'm not advocating any certain kind of discipline or not, whatever. That's up to you and and how you function in your home. But don't negate the fact that there needs to be discipline. There needs to be consequences. There needs to be teaching. There needs to be training. And dads... Don't leave it to the mom. We need to understand, and mind you, discipline has to be in both an agreement, you can't, you know, whatever. There's a movie we used to use for our encounter retreats called Remember the Titans. And the coach pushed those students to the brink of their abilities. Some accused the coach of trying to ruin them and break their spirit. But by pushing them, he made them stronger, and it prepared them for a difficult season of football. And in the end, they went undefeated and won the championship because of their discipline. If he hadn't pushed them, they never would have pushed themselves. And in the same way, a family is made by a father's discipline. And so like a coach that pushes his players, the father disciplines and urges his children to make them stronger. Now, please understand, I'm not advocating over-the-top, you know, dictatorship, rulership, heavy-handedness. You understand that, but dad, we express our love in discipline. Fathers also express their love through protection. A dad places himself in the way of trouble to protect his family. I remember as a kid, whenever we went on vacation, we went tenting. My parents had this tent, and we all slept in this big tent. And as kids, I'm, st- I'm still kind of the same. When I fall asleep, I fall asleep. And, I mean, the rapture could occur, and I wouldn't hear Gabriel blow the trumpet. You know, I'd go, but I'm just really a, generally a good sleeper. Um, changes somewhat as you get older, I guess. But anyway... We're out camping this one time, and and I'm sleeping, and and uh, a bear comes and scratches on the tent. I'm sleeping. My brother's awake. My sister's awake. My mom's awake. My dad's awake. I'm sleeping. Later on, when I woke up in the morning, my brother told me there was a bear scratching on the tent. I said, "Oh, yeah, right." He took me outside. And there was these claw marks on the outside of the tent. And I said, well, what did everybody do? He says, dad was standing right next to the tent with a hatchet in his hand. Protector. Of course I could sleep. Knowing that my dad was 
there and not that I was even aware of it, but my dad was the protector. But I want to tell you something we could learn from our Heavenly Father. He's your protector. We were singing about some of that this morning. Nothing gets in between us. He's with you. He's for you. He's all over it for you. And the lesson we can learn from our Heavenly Father as our protector is the same role that we as earthly fathers take within our home. And we've heard so much about, you know, people breaking into your property and then the the man gets out and starts shooting and then he ends up being charged and all that. I'm thinking, where have we gone wrong? I'm not advocating, you know, harming somebody, whatever, but there's got to be an element where we as fathers and men can still protect our family, can still stand in the gap. And there's one place where we can protect our families that sometimes we forget is in the spiritual realm. And that's why fathers and men, we need to be that spiritual head as Jocelyn so capably and ably mentioned this morning. Protect our family. A dad places himself in the way of trouble. Jesus applied the example of the greatest love possible when he laid down his life to save us, his people. In the same way, a father is charged with the duty of laying down his life, laying down his desires, his personal interests for the sake of his family. I know my own father. There's a lot of things that he didn't have for himself. But he worked hard to provide for us a house, a home, a place where we could live. Now, we had to work alongside and help, but he cared about us in that regard. Dads are the first line of defense for their family and are often the first area where Satan attacks because the enemy knows if you can take the leader out, His subjects are soon to follow. But the primary gift, expression of love from a dad, is the legacy of salvation. The greatest thing that we can pass on to our children is the message of salvation. The great legacy a dad leaves behind is this gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. And it's true. When a parent dies, their children expect to receive some kind of an inheritance. I remember when we were discussing the adoption of our our daughter, we talked about it with our son, who was 15 years of age at the time. And I said to him, Jared, what do you think? He was 15, thought we, he should be a part of this decision. He says, I think you should do it. I said, well, you know that once we do it, you lose half your inheritance. He said, uh, half of what? He was a very perceptive young man. And, uh, but we have an inheritance to pass on, and the inheritance we have is more than just the stuff. 
it's a spiritual inheritance, a legacy that we can leave with our children, with our family. And sometimes the inheritance involves riches and sometimes it doesn't. But there's no greater inheritance than the legacy a father can leave concerning eternal salvation. No greater legacy. Because, friends, one day all this stuff's going to be gone, right? But, oh, the legacy of salvation. Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. A dad who loves his family will do his best to lead them in the way of the Lord. And we know that everybody has the choice, right? But we can do our best. 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 11 and 13, part of it says, As a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Mark eight thirty six. what good is it for a man to gain the whole world but forfeit his own soul? Dads are extremely important people in our lives, and we're charged with the duties of protecting, providing, and interceding for our family's sake. We have the power to shape our family and our society by the ways we live every day. We're the first line of defense for our family. We're commissioned by God to deliver the good news of the gospel message to our families, not just with words, but in the way we live every day. Not just by the way we worship and pray on Sunday, but by the way we worship and praise every day of our life. If I was to ask you the question, what lessons have you learned about fatherhood? Oh, you're the man. That boy's going to go places. It was even cold. Whoa. Even as I was asking the Lord, Lord, what lessons have you taught me about fatherhood? Two things come to mind, and then with this I close. And in the light of the potential possibility of unimaginable pain and hurt, in maybe in your life because of a relationship, with a father that wasn't all that great. I understand those things all happen. But you know, if we could all boil it down to a couple of things. One thing is so important. Number one, learn to forgive your father. Forgive your father. I'm not saying that he was necessarily a great guy or a real bad guy. And I'm not saying we excuse things that were wrong. I'm not saying any of that. But in the process of it all, we, all of us, have to learn to forgive your father. He was human, probably made some mistakes. But who among us has not sinned? And we will want our children, dads, to forgive us because we were not the perfect dads either. On the cross, 
Jesus looked at his executioners surrounding him and he said in Luke 23, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. He wasn't excusing what they were doing. He wasn't justifying what they were doing. He wasn't doing any of that. And in our cases too, we have to forgive our fathers he may or may not have known. But forgive them anyway. And one of the shining lights of Jewish history that teaches a prime example of this is because if we don't, we're going to harm ourselves, sometimes irreparably. We understand the story of King David, and you can read about him in 2 Samuel. And the story of Absalom, a young man of extraordinary promise. David was a ruler. The Bible says he was the man after God's own heart. However, in some of his children, he was anything but an example and a role model. Absalom, a young man of tremendous promise. But his life was hijacked by the assault of his sister by a half-brother. And when he saw his father, David, intended to do nothing about it, Absalom killed the perpetrator, Amnon, flees for his life, knowing that surely David's going to be angry, he's going to pursue him and kill him. To his amazement, David once again passively stood by and did nothing. Gradually, Absalom was filled with rage against his father, and eventually he led a full-scale rebellion to overthrow the throne and seize the kingdom, resulting in his own death. And one could hear Absalom say about his father, David, yeah, he's such a godly man, such a man after God's own heart. What a joke. He's a hypocrite. Now, maybe you found some flaws in your father. Maybe you've called him a hypocrite. Maybe you've said, yeah, but, hmm, yeah, but, hmm. And maybe your kids are, seeing things in you, because sometimes we're a certain man in church and another one out there, and they say, yeah, but. I don't fault Absalom for his anger necessarily. He had every right, in a sense, to fault David for David's negligence as a parent as well as his failure as a king. But we could wish, however, that Absalom had found it in his heart to forgive his father. And his hatred and his resentment, his anger, ended up destroying him and bringing him great suffering and bring great suffering to the kingdom. We have so many things in Scripture that urge us to forgive, not to excuse, not to overlook, not to whatever consequences there might be for people's actions, whatever. But our responsibility is to forgive. Forgetting and all those kinds of things, that's another issue. But the forgiveness issue is a choice we make. Some reasons for you to forgive your father. He's human. And that means he's prone to failure. And he's probably a great deal short of perfection. And according to Romans 3.23, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Psalm 103.14 reminds us that God is all too aware. He says, he himself knows our frame. He's mindful that we are but dust. He's human. And dads here, 
we're human. It means two things. We're a lot like your dad insofar as being flawed. And being human, you're going to require an extra dose of God's grace to be able to forgive your father and to forgive yourself for those things that you're aware of. Your father is a product of a fallen world and flawed parents. It's easy to think of our fathers as choosing to become whatever they might have been in a negative sense and holding him totally responsible. However, remember that he was a child once too. And God alone knows to what extent he became whatever he was due to other failures in his experience. And we need to forgive because we're eventually going to want mercy too. Matthew 6.12 says, Forgive us as we forgive those who trespass against us. Dad's forgiveness opens the grace channel. And resentment and unforgiveness clogs it up and shuts off the daily supply of God's grace that you and I continually need. But forgiveness opens it. Unforgiveness and resentment, bitterness closes it. And we're unable to receive the grace we need. Gary Ingrid writes in one of his books, forgiveness is ultimately an act of the will, not a stirring of the emotions. For a Christ follower, it's a choice to obey God and let it go. It's an inward choice that produces a declaration given, a promise spoken, I forgive you. The second thing I wanted to share as we conclude is this. Some real things that men know. Things that, actually maybe we'll rephrase it, things that real men know. Real men know who they are. The man who does not know who he is will forever be trying to find out and to prove himself a man in unhealthy ways. We know who we are. We know whose we are. Are we accountable to anyone? Or if we're just kind of in our own little world, a man who knows he's a creation of Almighty God and the redeemed of the loving Savior is likely to live a different kind of life from one who doesn't. We know whose we are. We know what we're here for. We need to know what our role is in life. Why has God put us on earth? Is it to find ourselves? Is it to express ourselves? Is it to fulfill ourselves? Or are we here for a higher, nobler purpose? I tend to believe that. And lastly, we need to know where we're going. I love Job's testimony in the midst of his pain and suffering. Job chapter 19. I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold and not another. In the last writing we have from the Apostle Paul, he said in 2 Timothy chapter 1, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he's able to keep that I've committed to him against that day. Dads, what do you know? 
And what difference has it made in your life? To dads, I want to say that your role, your function, your responsibilities, your position in your family and you future dads and you young men that will one day will be a dad and husband, there's no other job on earth like a father's job. And where there's an absent father, there's an amazing amount of grace comes from our Heavenly Father to come alongside that home. Scripture says, He is a father to the fatherless and a husband to the widow. One of the verses that our church is founded on. Everything that we need comes from above. Everything. So dads that are here, we're flawed vessels. We need God. We need his help. We need the help of our spouse and our family to function and do that which we're responsible to do and be. We're not an island unto ourselves. And dads, I just want to say I commend you. I honor you today. I bless you. We want to pray for you this morning. We want to believe God for great things. We want to believe that, yeah, times when we failed in the past, he's going to strengthen us and give us wisdom in the future. And we're not, our, our future is not determined by our past, but it's, be, it's determined by our relationship with God. Because he's the one who said, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. I could tell you, and my wife, if she wasn't so gracious, all the mistakes I've made as a dad. Maybe I couldn't remember them all, but big ones. But I'm glad that that's not what defines me. And your mistakes don't define you. We don't want to repeat them. But we so need the Lord. Amen. Father, I thank you every father, every dad in this house. And Lord, we don't always measure up to our own standards, let alone somebody else's. And sometimes we're so hard on ourselves. But Lord, I want to say thank you for helping each dad here to be able to do his best and to continually learn and rely more and more upon you to help them. Help us to be men who are humble, Men who are full of grace, mercy, truth. Lord, upon each home, I ask for your blessing. May we learn, continue to learn how to forgive, how to let go of things that we should let go of, and how to grow. So, Lord, thanks. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you, be gracious to you. Lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'd like all the dads to come up. Um, I want to give you a little thing. Uh, Nothing huge. Um, Didn't break the bank to do it. But it's something that you can use. 
because um, I know you probably all have a vehicle or something of some kind, and, and you want to polish it up, make it look nice. Or maybe you've convinced one of your kids to do it for you, and you want to provide them a little, you know, tool. Uh, or maybe because it's Father's Day, the whole family's going to clean your vehicle for you, and, and just turn around and face the, the congregation would be great. And uh, now I didn't, I didn't provide the spray that should go with it, but um, I don't know, maybe you can spit on your dash and spit polish or whatever you want to do. But um, if we got all the uh, stew, what are you doing sitting back there? There's always one rebellious one. Gerard. Come on, I know. Come on. You know, I got I gotta tell you, I love this guy. This guy is an awesome, awesome guy. And um he was in our how long were you in the army? Thirty years. Thirty years. See, now, he's a reason why we have a country. And uh, maybe some... Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, his wife was in the services, too. Is anybody else here in the armed forces? or Anybody else up here in the armed forces? Oh, you are a novelty in our church, bro. You and your wife, that's awesome. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, we got these guys here, and... Uh, you know, we don't just parade them up here so you can look at them, but they have a function in the church like no other function. And I honor men of God who want to serve God, lead their families well, bless the church and be an example in the community that's what changes society that's what changes it our society is better for guys like this that are maybe standing in many churches all over the country today Father I thank you for these men I thank you Lord as we would honor them this morning Lord We know our frailties. No one has to tell us we know. But Lord, we also know that you're our strength. And you're the one who forgives us. You're the one who gives us what we need to carry on, to keep going, to keep loving and serving and being the men of God that you want us to be. And so, Lord, we honor them today. And we thank you for them. I say, God, let your wisdom be poured into them. Let your strength and your anointing and your Holy Spirit so fill them and help them, Lord, to see them not through the eyes of their own glasses. Help them to see themselves through the framework of the Word of God. You've called them. So we bless them today in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen. Men, don't move. Folks, would you give them all a hand? Honor them this morning. I'm going to ask my wife to... You don't want to do it? Come with. 
she doesn't want to. She's shy. I'd say one of these has a $100 bill wrapped in it, but that's not true. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's one for... Bless you guys. Polish your car. Clean your wife's car. Yeah. Oh, we even had enough. Bless you guys. You may be seated. Thanks. She doesn't want to be left out. One other announcement I wanted to let you know of. Our our life groups are going to take a break now. So um, last Tuesday we had a work be here. And... uh, we got a lot of things done. Thanks to Gwen for organizing it. And uh, some uh, folks from Church in the Hills joined us. It was just a great time of working together. Um, so, uh, yeah. So, anyway, enjoy the rest of Father's Day. God bless you. Have an awesome